Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast, our second part, our interview with Dr. Hina Chaudhry. You're going to love this one. Here she's going to get into a little more detail of what it was like opening or getting her own private fee-for-service practice from another fee-for-service dentist. Some of the changes, some of the challenges. How about within the first six months, the entire team that was there is gone. How did she replace them? What did she do? How did she implement it? really interesting story she's very sincere and you could tell she speaks from the heart so i think you're going to really enjoy this folks again fee for service podcast brought to you by kettenbach kettenbach for most of your dental product needs they have a new product out it's a universal composite can be used posterior anterior heavily filled 80 percent very polishable it's vasalis flow and Vesalis Phil, it comes in an assortment of shades. You can reach them at 877-532-2123. If you like to use the phone, if you like to use the websites and the internet, tettenbach-dental.us. Please check them out. Paul, they have a rep in your area. They have great products. I've been using them for a long time. Dan is the man at the at the corporate level, speak to Dan. I'm sure he will reach out to you and put you in touch with the right service rep. Folks, enjoy. If you like the show, click like, click subscribe, like, share it with your friends. If you don't like it, well, then send me a note. Tell me what you think could be better. Appreciate all of you. Hope you're doing great and have a good one. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast. Today's part two of our talk with Dr. Hina Chaudhry. And if you, I'll just real quick, I'm going to give you the cliff notes of the last conversation. So wanted to become a dentist at nine, went in an accelerated program between Rutgers, UMDNJ, did a GPR, which changed her mind from going to periodontics to in the general dentistry and being, I'm going to call her a super dentist. So she does all kinds of procedures and all kinds of things. And we have established that she is a high achiever, overachiever. I don't want to say overachiever, but definitely a very high achiever. So if you say you can't do it, she's going to do it, okay? She went into various associateships. She started in a DSO. She went into a PPO. She went into some really, a really low, low, low PPO where they wanted her to reuse triangles. Just let that sink in for a second, Okay. And she found herself in the Westchester, New York area, and a little bit in Connecticut, where she thought she had a great situation. They had a partnership arrangement, and that started to fall through. So where we kind of left it off was she had decided and she had looked at, you know, she has, her father has passed and her beloved dog had passed within a month of each other. So she took two major, major life setbacks and it did nothing to deter if nothing else it moved her on to doing the next thing and as she described she said she had a, a vision a dream and her father put her hand on her head and told her it's time to do this what's stopping you and 
I, I don't know why anybody would use the word stop with you in because you you're like you're in motion baby and it's like newton's first law one when something's in motion it's easy to keep it in motion so let's get back to the the conversation as far as the associateship goes now your associateship excuse me your partnership i'm sorry your partnership was fading fast now when you dissolved it you just left was there any payment to you for your quote sweat equity percentages the future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients if you need help starting your membership plan or if your plan is too big for your team to manage visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team no so it was one of those things where my attorney is the reason I like, I, I'm very lucky I found my attorney is that he is a pit bull, but he understands when you should fight and when you should just say, you know what, it's not worth it, cut your losses and step back. And this was one of those situations where right. there was, I can't remember exactly what, but there's something maybe about the money I was owed that I didn't get in the partnership or something of that sort where he Dad, you know, if you want to go after her for X, Y, and Z, he's like, we can totally do it. But he's like, honestly, in the big picture, it's $10,000. Is it really going to make or break you at where you are right now? Do you really want to go through the headaches of litigation, of trials, of contracts, X, Y, and Z? And looking at the big picture. $10,000, you said, was the disputed amount? I'd oh, yeah. That's, that, that's, that's you paid that for your education. Okay, keep going. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I said, honestly, no, I just want this to be behind me. I don't want to deal with her. I want to talk to her. I don't want to do anything um, that regards to her again. Um, so that's kind of how we ended. And I, I ended I ended it well, because when I did my 30 days notice, at that point, again, no one knew I had purchased the practice. It was still very hush-hush. So I got my 30-day notice in the letter form saying that you've been dishonest with me. I was owed this amount of money. I was promised this in the partnership. Nothing was delivered. Um, so for that reason, I want to dissolve our relationship. But as for our contract and because of my patients, I will continue to come in for 30 days um, as listed in the, in the contract. So I still went in for the 30-day time period just to make sure my cases. It was, and it was more so because I love and adore my patients. So I never want to leave them hanging. So I did my 30 days. Um, I think I was the last day where it was just, it was, so she wasn't, because I was in the office for so long, she wasn't telling patients I was leaving. I had a full mouth case that I was working on and it was two weeks before I left and no one had told her that I was leaving. So I had to tell her myself, the patient, which I didn't want to do. I had to tell the patient myself, look, you're going to be good hands. She told me that you have someone else coming. And this woman freaked out, obviously. I was in the middle of her full mouth case. So obviously she freaked out. Um, but when I gave my notice, I discussed with her, like, we need to find someone for patient so-and-so so someone can be qualified enough to take over because this is a complicated case. And she guaranteed me that she was going to find who she was going to take care of it. Now she going to do it herself. Um, so I had realized that that last week that I was going to be there, she was still booking me crowns. And I was like, I'm not doing, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to do a crown on my last day. I'm not doing this. So... I think it was the last day I was supposed to be there. I just had my doctor, you know, I just called out and said, just, I couldn't come in because it was just, it was, it was, she was making it so she didn't want people to know I was leaving and wanted to kind of keep me as like, you know, she lost her father and she's going to take a break, but she'll be back. So, so let me ask you, if you're doing crowns in your last week, who, who's doing the insert number one, but number two, was there any, money or anything there's no money there's no money in this transaction so there was nothing withheld so there's no way she could come after you and say oh this is incomplete or you left this person hanging right that was that was understood in your in your yep. divorce and, settlement and i right? got paid, i got paid on production upon insert so all that work i did on that smile full smile mouth rehab was i wasn't paid for because i was only paid for the temporary part of it i wasn't paid for the actual procedure because it wasn't inserted so that's why at the at the it was probably about two weeks before i was about to leave i told my 
I want all, I, I went to the front desk because again, the team, the staff members didn't know I was leaving. They didn't tell anyone. So the front desk is just booking me like they're booking me because no one knows. So I waited a couple of weeks. I was like, she'll tell them, she'll tell them. And at the two week mark, I saw crowns on my schedule. And that's when I, I, I went and had to tell the staff myself. So wait, this you, is my last day. You had no conversation with her on how you were going to handle your 30 days. Like you didn't say, listen, how are we going to handle telling the patients? The DocSites provides affordable and effective websites for dentists with no long-term contracts, transparent pricing, and great customer service, starting at only $59 a month. They also provide optional online marketing packages to help increase your online visibility. For special offers, including up to 25% off your website setup, text fee for service to 818-489-9823. 818-489-9823. This is a limited time offer, so text now and lock in your savings and visit DocSites for more information. We, we had conversations and she said that she was going to handle it. She told me that she didn't want me to say a word to anyone. Yeah, well, that's how she handled it. Just keep you quiet, pretend that mm-hmm. nothing happened. And then, oh, shock, she's mm-hmm. not here. She can play the victim again. Yep. Yep. So she told me, I don't want you. That's why at the two-week mark, she actually got mad at me for telling. And I heard this through the grapevine. She never came and actually had a conversation with me. But I heard through the grapevine that she was mad that I was telling the hygienist and the front desk and everyone that I was leaving. Yeah, we can't we can't be an adult professional and have a face to face conversation and look someone in the eye and say, I don't like what you're doing or I do like what you're mm-hmm. doing. Because, you know, the questions are going to come up. Staff's not prepared. What what happens when people are looking for you and you're not there? You yep. can't trust her to deliver that message. Yep, exactly. And that's why I feel bad, because my patients got the short end of the stick in this and it wasn't fair to them. So who finished the At case? All. The full mouth case. Um, I think so. She actually tried to do the do uh, practice, and I got involved in it as well because I started the case. Um, but they ended up. My attorney got involved, and she ended up wanting to settle with her for exit for some sort of amount of money. Um, and then she tried to. The patient tried to get more out of her than initially she had. The the doctor had agreed to. So I initially started with the top and I told her we have to do the top and bottom. And I told her, I explained everything in the full full mouth case, do one arch at a time. We're opening the vertical, we're opening this. We're doing a lot of work with the muscles and the TMJ and stuff like that through the slow and steady process. We're going to start with the top. Once we get the top stable, we're going to do the bottom to kind of match. So in her treatment plan, it had both top and bottom. We were just doing the top. So she comes back and sues us for the bottom and wants us to pay for the bottom. And the other doctor was ready to give her a check and wanted me to give her half. And I said, oh, hell no. I'm not giving her anything. I did nothing wrong to her. I did a treatment plan as it was to be. Her her masters just hasn't recovered the way that I, her jaw hasn't recovered the way I wanted to be in these temporaries. We still have to kind of work on the vertical. And I said, I told her everything from the start. I can look all of my records, all of my x-rays. Everything is there. I'm not giving her anything. So I initially agreed to go half on her for maybe finishing the top. But once she tried to get more money of her, I, I, I told her, shred my check. I want nothing to do with it. So she handled that herself. From what I know, she sent her somewhere to a specialist and gave her some money to go away, but I didn't get involved in that, thankfully, at all. But you had access to the records in case you need to defend yourself, correct? Nope. What? Oh, I don't have just, access. That's because dirty. Because this cool. was... This was about two or three months after I had left. So I didn't have access to my records at all. Well, you should, you should have, that should have been part of your, your divorce agreement should have said, so should there something come up within the records that a patient comes after I have access to the records so that I can, you know, prepare. I've I've learned a lot in these last 30 years of what I should and should not do. And what I, I should look for in a contract and yeah. rely on when it comes to the people that are guiding me. But your attorney, um, so yeah, attorney's I've, got to, he's got to point that out. That's your, you're exposed. That's your exposure. Yeah. His job is to limit your exposure or yeah. cover your exposure so that you can defend yourself if need be. Right. That's, that's just a little bit of snafu. Okay. So 
You have now divorced. You started your own. What was your vision of the practice? Well, first of all, what was the practice that you bought? Why did you fall in love with it? What was all, what was it? What was it all about? So it's funny because when I started talking to my broker back in June 2020, I told them what I was looking for. I told them, you know, I wanna, I wanna an office that I can, I can call home. And I've always felt I'm, I, I have a couple houses. I'm into real estate, and every time I find a house, it's kind of like. I think of say yes to the dress is you walk in, you know, it's like, you know, you know, and every single time I bought a house, it's true. Every single time I bought a house, I walked in, I'm like, this is it. And you just get a feeling. So that wow. feeling is what I was looking for, for an office. Uh, so <laughs> I, <laughs> you're playing your so, cards right out. You're playing your cards open face. Everybody sees them. Wow. I love it. Okay. You're paying full price. <laughs> so everyone, so I told him that I wanted an up-to-date practice. Um, it had to be out of this location. I wanted, you know, I didn't want, I didn't want to have to do a ton of work. Um, I didn't want to have to do a ton of uh, um, renovations or anything of that sort. Thank you. Um, so he sent now me... Did, excuse me for a second. Did you want it a fee-for-service practice? Was there any thought like, hey, I want to get out of this this insurance game or what? My manager. I love her. Love it. Bye. I, have a good weekend. For those She's of you listening, her, her manager came in, handed her something, gave her a kiss on the forehead. That's just, you could tell, you could tell who you are, by the way, but it doesn't take long. So <laughs> keep going. Uh, so I would not because... At that office I was at where I was partner, air quotes, we took HMOs, we took DMOs, yeah. we took everything. But you want it to get out the of it? Only thing we, I, I, did not, I did not want to work like a, with a, my chicken with my head cut off because I was making good money, but I was hustling. I was, I was coming home exhausted. I was seeing probably a patient every half hour for eight to nine hour days. Sure. Um, I was exhausted. So I knew I wanted to, I knew that and they would make a they would make a comment in the Stanford office and Stanford was more PPO it wasn't GMOs it was more of a, a regular kind of private practice and they would make a comment that Dr. Charles is better with patients when she has time when she doesn't have time she's rushing and she's not she's not explaining properly so I know me and I know my my skill set involves me forming bonds with patients and me explaining things in a way that they understand it because then it's hard to understand. Well, so I knew I wanted you're, to you're doing the type of treatment plans you're talking about, where you're doing Botox, where you're doing facial aesthetics, you're doing vertical changes, you're doing TMJ. It requires a deep explanation and understanding, a communication. You can't just exactly. walk in and say, oh, yeah, by the way, listen, we're going to pop this open. We're going to throw on some porcelain. You're going to look like that picture over there. Sign this, sign this form. And by the way, $70,000. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Doesn't work. No. No. So I knew I wanted an office where I could be, I could take my time and I could be the doctor that I wanted to be. I could be in the practice that I've envisioned myself being, which was that office in the beginning. And when I first started, it was that office. I had time to sit and talk and learn and things like that. So my broker sent me four different locations. I would go three minutes later, call my broker. That was horrible. Go to another one five minutes later. Why are you sending me these places? It got to the point where my broker called me after the fifth office that I said no to and said, are you even serious? And I said, send me something I like and I'll be serious. You're not sending me anything I like. Then he sent me this practice. So your broker independent? Um, Who's your broker with? Is he with a company? Um, I don't know. Am I allowed to say names? Yes. It was it was what? Mark Epstein. Oh, Epstein, yeah, that's yeah, they have a company, yeah. Epstein. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so he sent me this office, and this office was for service. He's been practicing in this town for forty plus years. Very well known, tanky trained. He does TMJ. He did Invisalign. He did full mouth cases. He did cosmetics. His philosophy lined up with my philosophy. Yeah, see, that's so important. Hold that thought right there. I think people need to hear that again. Because 
and, and you know, we talk about buying and you can get all these numbers, but if you don't get the right philosophy, like I read, there was a post the other day, person bought a practice fee for service. It was going to be great. And they're struggling. And do your skill set match up with the skill set of the doctor there? So if you walk in and let's say you are not trained, okay, this guy was panky trained. So this, you know, a little bit mm-hmm. deeper involvement in treatment planning, et cetera. You know, we don't need to go into the depth, but that aligns with you. That That's a good fit. If you walk mm-hmm. in and you PPO train and you were great at drill, fill, bill, and you can take teeth out and do massive things, you're going to miss a big segment of that PP, that, excuse me, of that fee for service practice. They don't align. That's huge. Mm -hmm. You can't say how important that is. Keep going. Yep. So office is beautiful, all digital. He had a scanner. I didn't really like to use it. So he was just sitting there. He's like, I've kind of kept it because I knew I wanted to sell and I knew you can get some more sort of rebate for it. I came into his office at 6.30 at night. I didn't leave until 8.45 p.m. Got to a point where I said, your wife is probably wondering where the hell you are. You should go home. Yeah, she's going to think you have a girlfriend. <laughs> what? She's going to think you have a girlfriend. Right. That's how good it was. So that's how I knew. That was to say yes to the dress feeling. So now you're saying the two of you, the two doctors... Are mm-hmm. lock, stock, and barrel in sync, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's just a good that's a good relationship. So so yep. now, and you again, care to share like what the numbers were, what the practice was doing, what you paid for, it, anything like that? Um, yeah. So um, when I took over, the practice was I think, and this was I took over, and like COVID didn't really count, so they're accounting before COVID. It was I think uh, one point two or one point three in collection. Um, he initially wanted to sell. So he apparently was looking to sell for a bit. And he just, he told me the same thing. He had a couple offers. The people that he was meeting, he didn't get a good feeling about. Didn't feel like they were going to be able to take care of his patients. Right. When he met me, he said, it kind of, it's, he's, he, he felt the same thing I felt. That I would be able to take care of the patients in the way that he wanted. So when, um, before COVID, he was selling for $9.50. Um, when I um took um when i took over he was uh going for 850 i negotiated down to 800 you're 800 out of 1.2 right simple math you're at 60 percent fair yeah i think that's about my office now after two years we did 1.75 Now, did you change the hours? What, what what did you do? What did what did it look like when you okay. bought it? How many how many people were on his team? Who stayed? Who'd you lose? Yep. Talk about the transition now. So when I bought the practice, it was one doctor, one front desk, one hygienist, one assistant. He didn't have an office manager. Rule of one. So, so I brought in an office manager, um, which is also one of the reasons why I didn't really go hard on the old contract is because the office manager was from the other office, um, which she knew, uh, she ended up knowing, and that's one of the reasons why we did a release of claims so she can come after me, I'd come after her, because I did take a um, an office manager. Um, so he, I had him, and then the hygienist quit after two months because she didn't want to work with me. So I said, that's fine. Um, he, he was, he transi- He stayed on for six months for a transition, finished up cases, making sure he did the introduction. So we did a big introduction. He sent out emails, letters, everything like that. Introducing me, um, I was working in the beginning two days a week. He was working two days a week. So I was still at the other office until I fully transitioned over here. Um, his hygienist left um end of february so i hired a new hygienist for myself in april his front desk person left in october his assistant that he had left in september so i by november i had a whole new team okay. so, so by november 2020 go ahead so when you go in there he was he working four days a week 
she was working just the two days that I wasn't able to be in because I was no prior. Um, prior before you came in. Other, oh, no, before, before you came oh, so in. He was, um, so he was working. Sorry, his schedule was Monday through Thursday. Okay. Um, Monday he was, uh, I believe, Monday and Tuesday. Monday he was eight to five. Tuesday, I think he was 10 to 7. Wednesday, he did 8 to 2. And then Thursday, I think he did 8 to 5. Okay, so basically and four days. So, so now the two days you're there, is he actually there introducing you but not working? No. So I, what I did was I changed the hours when I took over. The Monday, Wednesday, eight to five, Tuesday, Thursday, ten to seven. So he had two early days and two late days. Mm -hmm. So he was working the um Monday. Actually, no, you know what? I'm I'm taking that back. He was there full time for I think a good month and month or two introducing me to everyone. At least two months. Um, and then when I fully transitioned over, he was finishing cases on Monday, but he would come in on certain days to right. make sure that it was a, an introduction. He was doing a handoff so, for a couple months. So one thing you were asking the, the, the team was, hey, I, they're, they're, you're going to work more hours, right? You, you were going to add those hours to it. And I can understand yep. how some people say, listen, I, I'm used to my hours. I could see yep. how an assistant would want to go or a hygienist would want to go or just flat out change, you know. But the, yep. the, the, the moral of the story is don't be afraid to change. You're going in. The key thing is to me is if your philosophies align up, the rest of the stuff is just minor details. They all can work out yep. because the practice exactly. is going to prosper and the patients are going to prosper. So, okay. Exactly. Now, when you bought the exactly. practice, did you finance it? Did you so much down? Did he carry some paper? Is the real estate involved? Tell me a couple specifics there. So the building is rented. So I pay, pay landlord rent monthly. Um, so I took over the lease. Um, the, no problem. No problem taking over the lease. No problem. The landlord's actually wonderful. I'm actually doing expansion right now where I'm taking over an office next door to make the office bigger. And she's been lovely with the entire process right now. Um, so, um, repeat what the question was. So you, so you, you, you took over the lease. Did you finance it? Did he hold paper? Oh, yes. So I, I financed I financed it. Um they financed it for nine fifty, so I had a hundred thousand dollars of working capital. Okay. So I had a bank loan for nine fifty um when I financed it. No prepayment penalties? No. And nothing right. I didn't have to put anything down or anything. So they they financed the whole thing. Okay. So the doctor's getting a check for not for eight hundred the day you start. Now, does, now, is he ultimately working as your associate when you changed the business entity? Yes. Yes. So he was working as my associate where we did a... Uh, smart. Very um, smart. It was, a, it was a base. And then it was, a, I think it was like a, a base and a percentage or something like that with cases. Yeah. A, yeah. But, you know, he's... So the days he's introducing you, he's not, quote, technically getting paid unless he's doing something. He's doing that because part of your agreement said, hey, for the first two or three months introduced now he wanted out right he wanted I'm out of here. Yep. so it was a clean transfer so that so that's wonderful so we financed it we bought it okay talk to me then about okay that first six months is a little tumultuous because you've lost some staff who did you bring in or where did you get them from did you hire from cole did other people from the other office follow you what happened there so um i hired all of my team from indeed um the first the staff part of the business is probably the hardest part of owning. And I know people always said, you know, owning a business is hard. I don't think any of this is, I don't think, because I was doing so much of the clinical and admin stuff at the other office. The only thing they hear is just the hiring and firing is what I was never doing at that practice. And the hiring and firing part. But you said they didn't allow you to look at the books in the other place. No, exactly, exactly. But like when it comes to when it came to uh, the scheduling and things like that, like I had my hand in the game. It's the only thing I didn't do was the books, the accounting, the hiring, the firing, things like that. 
the accounting part's easy. My accountant takes care of it. Like I have a team of, of wonderful, um, wonderful, I have a wonderful team of representatives that take care of everything for me. So I'm, I'm good with that. I do my accounting that I need to make sure everything's okay. Make sure the numbers are okay. Um, but getting the right team and knowing what I wanted, because my thought going in was I have worked for some really, 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 really city people. And I don't want to be that type of employer and that type of dentist. So I want to be the type of boss that not that people are friends with, but that understood a person that is going to have a family, have to, you know, I just, it's just, I have a heart and I feel like that's one thing that a lot of business owners don't have. And I feel like that's where I kind of screwed myself a little in the beginning because I was too nice. So when the first hygienist left, I went on Indeed, found another hygienist who was wonderful, seemed wonderful right out of school, worked at, a, worked at 10, wanted to get out of there. Um, I have a, again, Sunny, as you said, I'm an overachiever. I'm constantly trying to learn. I took CE class in April. It was about the Itero scanner. And I started saying, you know, I want to scan every hygiene patient. And she was on board initially, but then when it came to diagnosing and talking, she started to talk to the other team members saying that I was over-diagnosing. So she got the boot. So in September, my assistant left. So I hired another assistant off of Indeed. Um, in October, the front desk left. So I another, hired another front desk girl off of Indeed. And I thought I had a great team. The hygienist started poisoning the other girls' minds about how I'm over whatever. And the assistant came and told me, she's like, you know, I, I work with you every day. I see what you do. I know you're not, you know, trying to pull one over on the patient. Um, so I ultimately had to let her go. Yeah. You can't so, have somebody going in the other direction. You just can't. No, no. Um, so that was now January, 2022. I let my hygienist go, went back into getting temps, doing my own hygiene, um, went back and indeed found another hygienist. Same thing kind of happened with her where she just wasn't going with my workflow. Um, hired a third hygienist. She was there for three and a half, four months. She butt heads with my new manager that you just met. Um, my first manager, she butt heads with, he was volatile as it was. He was the one that I brought from the other practice. He was a little volatile as it was. I let him go. Um, hired my new manager, the one that uh, just gave me the kiss on the forehead in June of 2022. Um, and then the front desk girl that I had hired in October and the hygienist that I hired both butt heads with her. So I fired them. Um, and it's one of those things where I think I started realizing in 2022, once they started taking rain into the practice of, I have to start thinking like a business owner, not just a dentist, that this is my vision. This is my dream. This is what I want to have as my name. My vision is I want patients to come to the dentist, not being scared, not having that phobia, not having that fear that I'm going to go poor because I have to go fix my teeth. I want to be a relaxing, calm environment, which is why I named it Ardley Dental Spa. It wasn't just because I did Botox and fillers, it's because I wanted to have a relaxing environment. I want to make sure patients can come in and they don't want to leave. And that's what the vibe of this office is now. But it took time to get there. And it took me to, I had to, have conversation with people and say, if you don't like it here, there's the effing door, get out. And I said that three times where people, I literally said, I don't want you here and where you need to leave. And I had no backup. I know other front desk. I know their hygienist. I said, I will figure it out. I'll do it myself. I have to, but you're not in my vision. Well, young lady, you are committed and that's how you're going to get things done. You are absolutely true to your core values of who you are as a person and what you want your practice to look like. And there's no compromise. I get that. And that's why your patients are going to get the care they're going to get because that carries through. That's just not, and that's not fake. You know, I was trying to explain this to, to a young doc the other day. You can advertise, you can say, we are all this. But if you don't walk the walk, I mean, you could talk the talk, but if you don't walk the walk, it's phony and it's fake. And someone's going to figure it out eventually or sooner than later. 
But if it's who you are, if it what's defines you, like your core values and your mission and your vision of who you are and who the practice is, that doesn't go away. And then you're going to align yourself with people that are there that share that vision. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to ask you a really important question because mm-hmm. you, you've gone you've gone like really full circle from pretty much we'll say the better part of 10 years, not really having much business experience to now you've got your own business. Did you have any mentors or people along the way that were helping you with some of these things? The only mentors I have are my, my accountant, and my attorney. That was pretty much it. So um, those are like partners, I right? Had... They're no, like, they're no like partners. in business with you, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. But when it came to other dentists, No, I don't really have a lot of friends that are dentists. So I didn't really have any dentists I could lean on or rely on. Um, That's unusual. It was me. That's unusual. Yeah. I mean, it's a great, it's great. I think it's, yeah, I think it's unusual. I think it's hard. It's very hard to achieve the kind of successes you're achieving without someone, without someone showing you the landmines in front of you or allowing you to dodge them. So you don't have to learn all the same. You don't have to learn all your own mistakes. You can learn from others' mistakes. So anyway, yeah. so and, just fascinating. And I, I think because of that, I think the first two years, I mean, the first year, especially looking back, I could have done so much better if I was acting the way I'm acting now. Because back then, I think I was acting more like an associate than an owner. Right. And I was having the manager that I brought along because he was one that was handling everything in that office. He was one that was pretty much like the owner. But that, but like, that's that's be, what you knew. That's you. You're going to go back mm-hmm. to what you know, right? And that's where you're. Exactly. You, now, the good news is you've worked in some really flat out shitty places, so you can also learn what you don't want to know or don't want to do. So that's almost as exactly. helpful as knowing, because you're in those in those times you really carved out what you wanted. When you started looking at some of your business sheets and stuff, I know you said you're accountant lawyer. Was there anything that stood out to you that you'd say, boy, it would have been helpful if I had a little more of this background? Like now you're running a business. You're not just providing care. You're running a business. What were some of the things that you started to take take stock in or take notice of? If I had more of a, I wish I had more of a, and I still do. I still wish I had more of a financial background. I wish I knew more about, you know, money and budgets and things and that I'm still learning. What 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 should my monthly budget be for me ordering supplies? What should and I never had that before. I never had like a budget of this is how much we're gonna order. And I feel like that first year I probably spent way too much. But again it was my first year and I was like, I need to spend money to make money. So I need to make sure I'm gonna spend a ton of money in marketing. I'm gonna get the best supplies. I'm gonna do the best because again this other doctor was also fee for service. So I didn't want to come in and start cutting, you know, right. getting, I, I, at one point I got cheap bibs and I realized why he got the bibs he did because they're in my head before it was, it's just a bib. Why does it matter? But when you see a really nice bib, that's nine by 13 that covers the entire torso versus a small square bib that disintegrates the minute the water touches it. I'm like, yeah, that's not a good look for someone that's paying fee for service. That's not a good look. So those little things I started realizing, you know what, I need to make sure that patients come in here. Patients are going to pay $400 for one surface filling, $550 for two surface filling. They have to make sure that they're going to, they're not going to get bad supplies. So in my head, I want to make sure I'm getting myself out of the HMO kind of scenario. Um, so I wish I had more of that training in the beginning where I kind of knew how to budget and how to know what I should be spending. Even though I think Lee Knockwood still did okay the first year, I feel like it could have been better. Um, but again, that's something where I made mistakes. I learned from them at this point now. I think I'm in a better spot than I was two years ago. Okay, so your first year you bought, it was a 1.2 practice. What did your first year look like at the end of the year? What were your numbers looking like? I ended my first year at 1.5. So 1.5, all right? So 300,000 on that 1.2, right? That's Yeah. How much of a percent yep. of a of a growth is that? Huh? 25%. Yeah. I, I can't do that. Yeah. Not many people are growing 
Well, three over 12 is one over four, 25%, right? So that's, that's no joke. Like, I mean, you, you, you know, you, yeah. you don't really comprehend and you're taking it over. And most times when you're buying a practice, you can assume a 10 or 20% attrition or drop just due to the fact that it's a new doctor, staff leaves, you know, mm-hmm. familiarity, you have a hiccup in your systems, you've lost a hygienist, you've lost a provider, you know, and you went, it looks like two months without a hygienist. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. not. Not easy. I mean, now, granted, you did add some hours, so that that does make sense. Yeah. To I know, also to um one sorry one other thing I did add is he was referring everything out. I brought in a periodontist, so I was keeping everything in. Um, so I was keeping. He hated it. He hated that I wasn't referring to his people anymore. And I was like, I like this guy. I've worked with him for ten years. I'm keeping him. He was at the other practice. He did. Me and him became really good. So he was the only person I actually told when I was leaving that I was actually so, leaving. And I said, you know, I want to step on any toes. Would your associate or partner be able to do what you do and come to my office once a month? He said, no. He's like, Hannah, I'm doing it. I'm going to be there to help build your practice. I've known you for so long. I'm going to be the one. So you brought a periodontist in. Yep. One okay. day, one day a month. One day a month. Okay. So, so you're not referring perio, but was there oral surgery referrals? Was there other referrals that you were not referring that he got? Um, so no, he did all of his molar endo. I do molar endo. Um, I'll do, I, I'm not going to do third molar. So those I refer to an oral surgeon, yeah. um, my periodontist will do third molars if they're like a, a one or a 16. And I mean, one is 16, I can do also like, he doesn't love doing lowers, but he'll do them. If he's like extracting 31, he'll do a 32. Um, That's your periodontist? But my periodontist. Yeah. Taking teeth out. Okay. Interesting. All right. So. So 1.2 goes to 1.5. What are some of the things in the growing pain? Besides, you talked a little bit about the ordering. What are some of the things in terms of the administering or running the business that you learn? Um, I had to be, because again, I'm not a mean, I don't have a mean bone in my body. When I get annoyed, people know I'm annoyed, but I will kind of woosah and then explode. And I had some of those explosions, like I said, when I, I brought people into the office and I said, there's the effing door, get out if you want to, like, I'm fed up with all of you. And I've had some of those, some of those moments. Um, some of the other things I kind of wish I did better was, I wish I was firmer from the beginning. Because I felt like if I was firmer from the beginning, I wouldn't have been walked on as much as I did with some of the team members that I had in the past. They felt well, like I was remember, walked on. Over. Remember what you said. What you said, very importantly, you said, I saw all these other things. I knew I didn't want to be that. So you're still finding your way as who you're going to be as an owner manager. And that's right. and that's one of those things I think that, you know, if there's someone that you could have talked to, could have helped you with some of those things probably a little bit sooner. Right. So you didn't have to learn them all on your own. Right. You know? And the one person that the person I really did kind of rely on was that periodontist. And his response was also like, you, he's like, I'm the worst to ask because like, I'm too nice. He's like, my team walks all over me. I feed them too much and I do this. And he's like, you know, it's just easier that way. And like, so he was, he's kind of like I am. He runs a really successful business. He has a great practice, but he's just kind of like, the only time I get involved is they get so catty where they're like, you know, we can't work with each other. He's like, then I get involved. He's like, otherwise, like you do your, he's like, you guys want to fight, you fight. I don't care. As long as I interfere with my practice, he's like, I don't really care. Well, he was one where I was kind of going to to help, but he wasn't very helpful in the fact that this is what, this is a guideline of what you should be and shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I Like I think someone that's been there in your shoes somewhat would be a little more helpful. Anyway, yeah. it's, that's neither here nor there. The only thing I would, I would say to you that I got some advice early on was sleep on it. Never, never like react with emotion, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like I don't think yeah, I've ever I raised my voice with with a with a staff a team member. I, I've had conversations that are very awkward and very uncomfortable, but they had to be had. You know, just had one right. not too long ago, and um, I like I had a <laughs> I had a police officer, well, it was an investigator, come in the office, and they had a video of a of a car back out into a truck in the parking lot behind our office in in our one door our one office and. 
the person left. There was no note. So it's a technically a hit and run. It's in Pennsylvania. We're in New York. So he was sort of like, this is someone from your office. And then he gave me the wrong day. He told me it happened on a Monday. So I was like, a mail on a Monday left the office? I don't have a male doctor. I don't have a male assistant. I don't have a male. Uh, you know, the male doctor doesn't drive that car. So, uh, you know, I was like baffled. And then I was like, could it be a different day? Oh, yeah. Actually, it was Tuesday. I was like, okay, that's a different story. So long story short, I had an idea who it was. I reached out to that person. Then I had that conversation. And that's awkward. You know, like, listen, this is what happened. This is what the detective said. You need to handle this. Call the owner of the other car and just settle this so that this doesn't yeah. become a hit and run investigation. And of course, you know, no problem. I'll take care of it. But you got to have that conversation instead of saying, oh, okay, you know, oh boy, what do I say? You know, like it's, you got to, right. you, you got to have that conversation and you have to be fair and you have to be firm and you have to be honest. So yeah. anyway, that's, that's good stuff. That's thing I've learned in the last couple of years now, especially with all of the hiring and firing I've done. Um, and again, I've only had, I mean, I've had a couple people quit, but it's what I'm learning now is I have a vision and I have a flow that I want for my practice. And if you can't accommodate my flow or my vision, then this isn't the office for you. And I'm accepting of that now where if this isn't where you want to be, and I call it a family, if you don't want to be part of this family, I'm not going to force you to be part of the family. I don't call any of my team members staff. They're not employees. They're family. Their teams. We're together. Um, I knock on wood have the best best team right now. It took again two years. My hygienist what is, is a unicorn. What, okay. what does your team look like? What, what does your team look like now so, today? You have one hygienist still. I have one. I have one full time hygienist who is my unicorn. Um, she runs with everything I say. If I say, so I actually lecture for Invisalign right now for the Itero wellness, for the Itero scanner. And I lecture about my flow and how the reason why my practice, I feel like has grown the way it has is because I'm using the scanner in an out of box way to kind of educate my patients. And every patient comes and gets a scan. The hygienist goes over the patient's mouth. So again, they have a visual. Um, and she's the only hygienist that has taken that under her wing and ran with it. And I have, I walk in and all of a sudden the patient's ready to do three crowns and Invisalign just by her talking to them with the scanner. And she's just a unicorn. So she's, she's my main hygienist. Um, I have one full-time assistant. I have one full-time front desk. Um, I have one full-time manager. And now I have a part-time hygienist that's here on Fridays because I hired another associate doctor who is here on Wednesdays, Fridays, and hopefully soon, he's probably going to, after I do the expansion, I'll probably be here on Mondays as well when I get two more rooms added. Now, is his um, skill set the same as yours? So I had actually hired another, when you said uncomfortable conversations, I actually had hired another doctor in January who I thought was going to align. She was a little new over grad. So I was like, you know, I'm all about mentoring. I'm all about teaching. I was in your shoes. Um, her communication skill wasn't where I needed it to be. Patients were leaving with their heads spinning, saying that we're trying to be salesy, trying to the opposite of what I wanted to wanted to discuss. Um, so I met with this other doctor that his skill set aligns. He's actually going to get panky trained right now. So he's taking some panky courses. Um, our philosophies kind of line up. He's interested in the same things. He doesn't do as much in Bizline as. I do because he worked for a corporate office as well that had an orthodontist. Um, so he wants to learn, um, wants me to teach him. He wants skin in the game. He wants the future. He wants something. He wants to reevaluate, you know, the office in a few years and see where we can go. Um, I have a lot more confidence that he's going to get the office into a spot that I want it to get into. Um, so he's going to be here on Wednesdays and Fridays starting next week. Um, so I literally had to have that uncomfortable conversation two days ago. Just again, I had butterflies in my stomach. I had a big knot in my stomach, couldn't eat all day because I knew I had to have this conversation of it's not you. You're not horrible. It's nothing to do with you. You're a great doctor. It's just not a good fit. 
Mm-hmm. So now, doing these things, talk about your time because you you are when you run a practice, you have to do multiple things. You have to wear multiple hats. One of which you have to still be the provider, so you have to be the person driving, and you have to have your foot on the gas. Then you have to be the mechanic, right? You have to you have to tinker. You have to toy. How do you manage your time between your clinical and your administrative time? Honestly, I don't sleep. <laughs> that's not a good. That's not good. That's not good help for everybody. No, um, it's hard, and that's probably the hardest part. Is because after a long day of me seeing patients. I have to sit and not to do my QuickBooks. I have to sit and do my notes. I have to sit and make sure that, you know, the budget, the bank's okay. And this is okay. So there are certain days where I just can't do it and I just go home and I can't. So I'll usually come in on, on like a Fridays or my day off. So I'll come in on a Friday and the other doctors here anyway. So I'll be a good way for me, like mentor. And I'll come on a Friday, shut the door and just try to take care of everything. Right now, my schedule, my working schedule is Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. So I'm off on Wednesdays. I'm not seeing patients on Wednesday. I'm not seeing patients on Fridays. And I did that with the, with the, that was my goal with the associate, just because I felt like I was drowning and I was doing too much and it wasn't healthy for me. So I needed help. Um, my schedule is also booking out. I'm like booked out like two months in advance. Yeah. So yeah, I but if you don't, if you don't set, if you don't set a time to work on your practice and you're only working in your practice, your practice is going to start to run you. Exactly, so, and that's why I was coming on the Friday. That's why I was coming on the Fridays before because I was working Monday through Thursday on patients. I'll come in on Friday and try to do all of the admin things. Um, but so that's why I felt like I needed to have the other doctor come in. So that way I could have my lecture days and I could have my admin days and not feel like I'm constantly drowning. Okay. All right. So we're going to wrap up kind of soon. So what are some of your uh, key things? If you had to say, give me your top, three or top five things to any person who's looking into doing what you're doing? I would say trust your gut, trust your instinct. Um, That's clear. That's very clear. You trust your gut. There's no doubt about that. And I'm a firm believer. If I was somebody, if I was working with you or like, or we were friends and we were talking about, I would always tell you that. What's your gut tell you? Yeah. 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 Um, Number two, I, every single time I would, in my last 13 years, if I would wake up and say, I don't want to go to work, I quit because work is not work. Work is for me, me being a dentist isn't a job. It's something I love. So if I was in a practice where I no longer want to do what I love, it's not the right fit for me. And again, when I went to the practice where I was partner and I was having those, those thoughts, at that point, am I going to make a lateral move and go work for someone else? And my, my, my idea is after 10 years, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to branch out and have that vision where now I wake up every day and I jump out of bed at six o'clock in the morning, even though if I don't have to be in the office at seven. So your happiness is the most important thing for your career and your longevity. Just like you say, you have to take care of yourself. If you're miserable at what you're doing, you're not going to love it. So if you feel like you're in an office and you feel like you're in a rut and you're not happy and waking up and just working for the weekend. And if you feel like, you know what, I think I want to make a plunge and be my own boss. You make that plunge and be your own boss because you're never going to regret it one day in your life. So how about a person who's good, good, great advice, a person that's been in an associateship. And like you said, you were fortunate. Your first associate in the DSO turned out to be very favorable because of the owner stepping in and going outside of the DSO box with you. Now, most people don't have that. And very early on, that could have shaped things a lot different for you today. What, What would your advice be for someone not really not ready to own something or don't really see that or I have family commitments or whatever, but same scenario. They're not happy. They're on the hamster wheel. They're dread going in. What would your advice be there? Look for another job. Go find another job, right? Yeah. There are so many opportunities. Yeah. How would they go about finding it? What would you recommend for them to go find it? There's so many opportunities out there. Um, I would recommend, I, when I was looking for a doctor, I posted on the um, 9th District Dental Society website. 
The dental associations are great um, sources um, for employers. Um, I would also say if there's any reps that come to your office, talk to your rep on the side and say, you know what, if you have a good relationship with them. I found some of my some of my team members through reps where I would just talk to rep and say, I'm looking for a hygienist. Do you know anyone? And they're, they're in tons of offices. So they know, oh, there's an office here that's looking for an associate. It might be a good fit. Um, talk to people. Okay, getting back to it. You got any, any more points you want to offer? I mean, those those were great things. We're going to wrap up in a minute. Um, um, happiness. Stand by your values. When you're working in some of these organizations in ZSO, they might make you do something that you don't believe in. Ethics. And I, I know a lot of doctors that do things and they're like, I know I shouldn't have done it, but I did it. And I fell into that trap sometimes too, where I did things because they told me to. And at the very end, I kicked myself because that wasn't what I believed in. Don't so stand by what you, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would probably say if you're working in an organization, whether you're ready to own or not, if you're not happy, find another job. There's other opportunities out there that might be a better fit for you. Um, so make sure you, you wake so wait, up just, in your just go on the record then. So using that dry angle multiple times for multiple patients, there's no good way to do that. That was hard. <laughs> if I you can't see this, if you're not watching this, hold on a second. If you're if you're just listening to this, the face that she just, just <laughs> and the eye roll and the and the shoulders slump and everything like that, you look like someone just ran over her best friend. Holy cow. <laughs> Sorry, I, go ahead. That that was and that was kind of when I I I I zeroed out of that practice. I was like, I gotta get out of here. Like you can't. I mean, there's there's some philosophies they just have to stand by. Again, we've taken an oath. We have to do good for our patients. We have to do good mm -hmm. for ourselves. Something that you have to you have to be able to sleep at night. And if you right. feel like you can't sleep at night, you're you you need to get you need to do something better. And again, not ownership isn't for everyone. I never in my life thought I was gonna be an owner. Never once. I, I got out of dental school thinking, I want to be a mom. I want to have a family. I want to have an easy career. I don't want to work 24-7. Being an owner was never crossed my mind at all until 2020. Huh? And it never, for 10 years, I never wanted to be an owner. It was, it was always in the back of my, it was never in, never in the back of my head. Now, what about the and, education component that you, you so, you know, fondly spoke of and got going? That's got to be a huge part of becoming what education better you know be, 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 you know you said you did the veneer course you did you did a whole bunch oh, of yeah. extra dental education course to improve your skill set and your confidence so and your I, delivery i had an attending in dental school um dr deped who is a prosthodontic attending at umdnj and he said in one of the courses one of the lectures he said Dentistry is called the practice of dentistry because you're always learning or practicing. And that stuck with me. So I'm constantly, there's always, especially now with technology, there's always so much to learn and grow. So if you have the opportunity to learn something, you jump on that opportunity. If you have someone in the DSO, someone in corporation that's going to say, hey, we're going to pay you to, to pay for you to take this course. You're going to feel like I'm never going to use this course. You take that course because you never know. I, I got paid to do it. Uh, they, they paid for me to do a sleep apnea course. I am killing it because there's no sleep apnea doctors in Westchester. I'm getting referrals left and right from hospitals sending me patients for sleep apnea appliances. So it's constantly just keep growing, keep learning. If you're not happy, do whatever you can to make yourself happy, whether it's opening your own practice, whether it's getting another job, do anything because dentistry is stressful. It's hard on our back. It's hard on our minds. It's hard on our, on everything. So if we're not taking care of our own selves, we're not taking care of our own bodies, you're going to fall apart. So I'm very big on therapy. I'm very big on massages. I'm taking care of, you got, you got to take care of your own body because if you don't help yourself, you can't help anyone else. Perfect. I'm going to end right there. So last question I'm going to ask you is uh, it's, it's a simple non-dental question. If you uh, had the ability to go anywhere, in time, back in time to any place, where would you go and why? It would happen to cry. It would it would be when my dad was still alive. I, I I knew it. I I 
I, I knew it. Just listening and talking to you, knowing you now for a total of two hours. Yeah, yeah I get that. So he's a, don't worry. Uh, he's uh, I'm sure he's got this his eyes on you. Is to my dad. Everything that's happening to me right now is all because of him. Mm-hmm. Like it's all his, I think it's all him. Right. So that's just a wonderful thing. So, and you know what? I'm sure beaming with pride at, at who you become and what you stand for because you're very strong in your convictions. So God bless, man. So appreciate it. Thanks for your time. This was wonderful. Um, thank you very much. And we'll see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Fee for Service Dentist Podcast. If you would like to share your fee for service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.